Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. There, very pleased to see you and to be joined as usual by my good friend, Rachel Davidson. Um, both of us are international best-selling authors and I'm the founder member of the Genuinely You Limited uh, company and all of that encompasses. I have avoided talking about this topic for oh. a while, but it's been one of those things that's been bubbling in the background. Oh, it's a, a tough one. Abuse <laughs> is one of those things that many people avoid speaking about, oh. and yet it's something that exists, and probably in bigger numbers than we would like to think that's the case. Uh -huh. um, the Me Too campaign, which started off in America, in Los Angeles, I think has um, done a lot of people a favour in the sense that it's given them the courage and the permission to talk about the fact that they've been abused. And I've assumed, and I may be wrong, but that's why I've, I've had a spate of, of clients who have come to me because in their childhoods they've been sexually abused. Mm. And I have to say most commonly uh, abused by people who they should be able to trust to nurture and look after them. Mm, that's what the statistics rather than, say, isn't it? Well, the mm. statistics are, I think, something like 80% of people who are abused sexually mm. um, in their childhood, it's from a family member no, 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 or a very, very close friend. Yeah. And it's one of those subjects that lots of people find very, very difficult to talk about, particularly if they've been the victim mm. to it. Yes. But in that holding on to the hurt and, and the, all of the negative feelings that, that come with having been abused in that way, mm. what I've recognised is actually you don't have to stay stuck with all of the damage that mm. the abuse apparently creates. Mm. The recognising um, that there is a way forward that you can actually not only survive the abuse but actually use that experience in order to move forward mm. and to help yourself and if you choose to other people mm. but it's a really tricky thing to talk about because one of the things i want to make very very clear from the outset in no way do i want to trivialize this it is very, very serious. And for the people who are on the receiving end, it is significant and it is awful. And it's quite interesting, isn't it? The, the sort of be, being the survivor of abuse. Um, I, I was reading, actually the book was in my, in my mind of late, Lost Connections, which yes. you and I have both talked about in the past, uh, by Johan Harry. And he talks about the start of his depression. Yes. And he, manages to finally peel back the onion layers and and remember yes i was going to say discover but it is a remembrance of um 
the, the point at which he really started to um, use depression as a protection or as, no, no, that's wrong. But the depression is his soul knocking on, on his consciousness to say, you know, you suffered, you're suffering, you need to do something. But he tracks it back to the, where it started, which was he was su subjected to a, about two or three instances of very violent, aggressive behaviour yes. by an adult that was he should have been able to trust. Yes. And he he talks about how he had turned that in on himself because he said to himself, "Well, I was responsible for that. I must have been responsible for that in some way," which I think is a, a it's a really really common. And he talks then about how, okay, so if I was responsible for it in some way, then I then deserved it. And that was, and that's how, he says how useful it was in the moment. Yes. It sort of helped him stay safe. Yes. In the moment. But how continuing to think about that, continuing to have that mindset, then over time becomes more and more destructive. And that's where his depression really kicks off. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it, to go back and examine a victim's, I, I hesitate even from using the word victim because I know that can be triggering, but, but somebody who is, has been on the end of something that doesn't feel great, let's put it like that, um, it's interesting the, the psychology, the, the words, the justifications, um, the sort of the, the corners that, yes. that um, will get you backed into. Well, certainly... Before we go any further, I think it's really important that we make a distinction. And at one level, there probably is less of a distinction, but let's make the distinction between sexual abuse, mm -hmm. physical abuse mm -hmm. in the sense of violence, violence yeah. and emotional abuse. Yes. None of them are acceptable, and all of them leave significant scars that mm -hmm. need to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And I'm not making a value judgment about which is better or worse. Mm -hmm. They are all unacceptable and they all create significant um, damage unless they're dealt with. Yeah. And very often people don't deal with them until much later in their lives because mm -hmm. the very perpetrators of the abuse very often use control, guilt, you know, if you tell anybody, then I'll hurt another member of the family. If you tell anybody, then I'll go to prison. If you tell anybody, they'll think that you're dirty. You know, there's a whole range of control that's put in place yeah. that keeps the victim feeling that they are powerless. And I want to make the decision, because we often talk about, you know, it's your choice whether you're a victim or a hero. Yeah. And I think we're talking about... Uh, adults but abuse often starts when people are very small and I've had as I say a number yeah. of cases um, over the years a lot of cases but particularly in this this year I've had mm -hmm. a, a, a significant number of more yeah. uh, cases where the abuse has started when people are as young as, as three yeah. and in that situation I think it's the true the nature of the word victim means that you are actually yeah. powerless, that somebody who's bigger than you, yeah. who you trust, yeah. who um, has the capacity to put in place arguments which to a very young child or even to a vulnerable person yeah. feel 
that that's the case they 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 become the reality because they're believed then you are in true victim mode very often the person is physically much stronger and that there is little that one can do about it when mm -hmm. you are in that situation and i think this is probably true of people who are in uh, situations of rape uh, as well where they mm -hmm. feel absolutely powerless and voiceless they cannot um, they can't vocalize yeah. what the problem is. Yeah. That's then compounded as they get older when they recognize that actually they go and visit somebody else and they see a loving family and they recognize that what they've been experiencing, which they had assumed was the norm, is not. Yeah. And then we have this layering I can't tell anybody because they won't believe me, or I can't tell anybody because then. The family will be split up and it could be my fault. I can't tell anybody because um, then I'll put myself or other people in danger. And that abuse, physical, is then compounded by the emotional abuse, which keeps people absolutely stuck. Well, the Me Too started, of course, with Hollywood and powerful men, generally speaking, um, taking advantage yes. of their power and the threat against the women that were being abused um, and it was again mostly women in, in terms of what my um, knowledge yes. of, of the media coverage was um, the, is the threat of taking away your livelihood you know these are yes. people who want very much and your chance of, of ongoing success yeah I just want to before we go any further um, women can be abusers too oh yeah particularly emotional and physical abusers mm. and you know it's no less um damaging mm -hmm. um and i think we need to make this clear that abusers can come in all shapes and sizes all ages and in all walks of life this is not something that is specific to any group of people um but you're right that in that situation you know, film moguls who use their power to say, I can make your career if you do what I want, yeah. or I can destroy your career if you don't. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're three or 13 or 23 if, or 43, if you are on the receiving end of abuse, yeah. one of the, the very core things is you feel powerless. Yeah. Working with people who've been abused, for me, there's a number of things that, that become really important. And the first is that there is a safe, non-judgmental space for that person to be heard, to be seen, mm -hmm. to be validated. And for many of the people that I've worked with, it's the first time they've spoken about it. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about you know, people who, you know, it's not sometimes people will disclose in their you know soon after it's happened many people it's in their teens that they'll disclose when they start to recognize that this isn't right but just as often it's people in their 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s and people who have held on to this for decades and it's eroded if ever they were ever were ever to, able to develop a sense of self-worth if I was worth something, people wouldn't do this. Yeah. If I was worth something, um, 
I would been, have been able to stop this. I'd have been able to turn this round. And you know, so being heard, seen, and validated in an, an absolutely safe space with somebody who cares, who's not going to go into the oh poor you, because mm. I think sympathy can be destructive in these situations. Empathetic, yes, but then is able to say, but do you recognise? that despite all of the horror, you've survived. What about the other subtlety, which is that the victim doesn't actually think of themselves as a victim of abuse? Well, I think that's probably less common when people come forward and ask for help. Sure. Um, often the ask for help is about something that else that's sort of... Yes, something know, else has triggered it. And then you can track it back to the fact that actually it's because they have this mindset where, you know, they, they think... They think it's acceptable for people to behave in a certain way towards them. Well, that, and that tracks back to self-worth. So, yeah. I deserve this. I wasn't good enough. I, I don't deserve better. I think so much comes back to people's sense of self-worth. And recognising that actually you've survived, I think, is a, a, a useful starting point. It's, and, you know, this is multi-layered. And I don't, again, it's really important that within this conversation, I don't trivialise the work that people have to put in themselves, even with all of the help and support. You can't do the work for them. Yeah. They have to be ready to, um, to open up, to trust. For many of the people who have been abused, that is a huge step forward to actually trust that they're going to be listened to. And in my experience, many people have actually attempted before to tell somebody and they've not listened or they have dismissed it as, oh, it's your imagination, or it's not that bad, because they don't want to face the reality, because it's too shocking, it's too difficult. Well, I think and that's almost another level of abuse, if I may say so. Well, yeah, um, and it's sort of an unfortunate one, but an understandable one then too, because we'd all like to live in a world where there wasn't such a thing going on. Absolutely, <laughs> and particularly if you tell another family member, they've then got to take on board that somebody that may have no idea that this is going on, they've then got to either trivialise it or ignore it, or they've got to do something about it. And of course, doing something about it feels monumental because indeed it may split the family up. And, and you know, it's a really challenging situation. And I think it's important that we, you know, we acknowledge how challenging it is. But once people do feel brave enough to come forward, you recognise that when they're holding on to this, the equivalent of holding on to a lead-filled portmanteau that you have to drag around with you all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you really want freedom from all of the baggage that that abuse creates, then a, a big part of, of that in, in my experience of working with people, is recognising that actually it's happened and that you were in a position where you were unable to do something about it, but actually you can do something about it now. Yeah. And that is that the ultimate thing for you to do is to forgive the perpetrator. Now, that comes <laughs> with huge, huge issues in itself but you i must get a lot of people when you, when you put forward this this idea of forgiveness who react extremely strongly against that 
And yes, initially, but when you then talk about, let's be really clear, forgiveness is not about condoning what went on. Absolutely not. It's not about forgetting, but you holding on to the hurt, the the anger, the bitterness, the 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 not being able to trust anybody. That does hurt the perpetrator. They're oblivious to it. But what it does when you are truly able to forgive, then you cut the strings to the portmanteau Mm -hmm. and you don't have to carry it around anymore. But what about revenge? Well, (laughs) it's an interesting one. But I think when you go into the the whole issue of wanting revenge, Mm -hmm. very often that's not possible because by the time somebody's come to take action, Mm -hmm. the perpetrator is old or they are dead. you're still, as the person who's been abused, you're still holding on to all of that baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, revenge, in a way, the best revenge, I think, is for you to be able to take control of your life, mm-hmm. to be strong, to actually make what awful thing has happened to you, mm-hmm. take that terrible thing and create a positivity out of it which is i am not diminished i am strong and my experience of most of the people that i've worked with who have been abused is you know they found a way in their lives to help other people and that they are incredibly empathetic and they have a huge heart for others what we work on is having that same love, that same connection with themselves. Yeah. And they can do that in spades once they go through the forgiveness process. Yeah. And it is a process. It's not, you know, click your fingers and it's all done. No. They also have to, many of them, forgive themselves because they hold on to, but I should have done something about it. Yeah. I shouldn't have let it happen. Yeah. When the reality is, I must have asked for it in some way. I must have been responsible. When the reality way. is, the only person who is actually responsible for it is the perpetrator, mm. and that by forgiving the perpetrator, you free yourself. You know, when you hold on to all of that hurt, it's like giving yourself the poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. And we've done a program around forgiveness, but we've not been very specific. And you know, when you're talking about abuse. This has to be handled and very carefully. People need to be supported. They need to go at their own place. And if you're listening to this or if you know of somebody who has gone through abuse, urge them to get help. Mm. It is really difficult to do this for yourself yeah. because it's enormous. For many people, it's, you know, I, I, I'm an abuse victim has become their identity. That's who I am. They can't get past the Whatever's going on in life, you know, I don't really deserve it because of what happened to me. And there is light at the end of the tunnel if you choose to seek it. There is a way of turning this terrible experience into um, something which is part of you, of course it is, but not one that defines you or holds you back stops you trusting, stops you loving, stops you being in a position where 
other people are able to love you. It's quite understandable, isn't it, that, that you are reluctant to trust anybody, to love anybody or allow anybody to love you if the people that you've expected to be loving and care for you and nurture you have been the very ones who have turned them. But it is possible. Yeah. And life becomes very different. Instead of this past defining your present and your future, you then have the choice of what present do you want? What quality of life do you want? How do you want life to move forward? What sort of future do you want? That becomes very actively your choice. But while you stay stuck in, I've been abused, I have no worth, I, there must be something um, at fault with me, that keeps you stuck very firmly in the past. And you may you know, have the trappings of a present and a future, but it's a, a shadow of the potential it could be. And I think for me, the thing that, that really resonates when I work with people is watching them emerge. You know, if you think of a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis, it's not a mean feat, is it? The chrysalis, uh, you know, the, the, the butterfly struggles and it, it, it looks as if it's, you know, it potentially very painful. But actually, when the struggle is over and they emerge, there's something very beautiful emerges out of it. And for me, watching people work on their demons that have been created through the abuse and actually being able to lay those demons to rest. Oh. This beautiful butterfly emerges that is not only beautiful but strong. And some butterflies can fly thousands oh. of miles, can't they? But some people might hear that, you know, some people have really, really suffered at the hands of another demon. And they might hear that sort of, oh, you know, these things are sent to test us and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and all of these things and, and feel very sort of like uh, angry at, at the idea that, you know, to, so to be a butterfly, I have to suffer. But I think... Well, no, the suffering's already gone on. It's not about suffering. Yeah, but, but I was never going to be a butterfly unless I suffered. Right. So, okay. you know, it, yeah. again, okay. you, you know, it's, it's a slightly sort of strange way of, of thinking about things but but of course we're talking about a strange way of living having you know come to this world and being subjected to, to great pain and anguish and, yeah. uh, and abuse the thing that in that in that little metaphor about about the butterfly that that it sort of changes it from this you know um story that in order in order anything that's worthwhile is worth suffering for that kind of mentality yeah. is is that actually there is a very practical reason for the struggle of coming out of the chrysalis um it's not just so that beauty can arrive it's so that beauty has the ability to arrive yes. um, the the caterpillar has to struggle in order to pump blood into the wings yeah. in order to make the wings yeah. unfurl so if you take that that particular creature struggle away, then you prevent it from well, it, it, coming. It, it no longer becomes the butterfly. And perhaps uh, perhaps <clears throat> it's a flawed metaphor, but I'm not sure that it is. People who have been through abuse have struggled to this point. Yes, they they. But what's interesting is that when you start to work with people to look at 
there will be gifts yes in all of the the horror and the hurt there are significant gifts but the gifts only become apparent when you actually make the decision that you are no longer going to stay stuck in the struggle because if if you are staying that very angry, you know why do why do shitty things have to happen in the world? You know, and this sort of if there was a god, then why does he allow, allow yeah. this to happen? Um, and I was watching a, a film where a priest basically is is being yeah. confronted with this by a very angry cop who obviously does deal with a lot of dirt, dirty parts of human nature, and the cop is basically saying, you know. Um, there can't be there can't be a god because and the priest says okay so that's the problem of of, of evil if you like yeah. what about the problem of good you know if uh, if evil if it was all just sort of random and 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 meaningless and the world wasn't meant to have evil then why does it have good why does it have people in the world that yeah. all go above and beyond yeah. you know people like yourself mr cop who work very hard to uh, fight back the forces and all this. And that's the point, I think, around trying to get a perspective on mm. terrible stuff that happens yeah. to you, is, is that there will be some learning, there will be some reason, there will, I don't mean to say that you, know, you are responsible for this happening, but you know, it will be balanced. The, there is a, a sense of if you can name it and and uh, understand that um, it was the person doing it and that you happened to be there for whatever reason so you were in their path for whatever reason then you can't you you are more able to understand that there is still good to be had it doesn't right. all have to be it doesn't have to be fatalism and all, all this sort of. No, I think what I would take from, from that and what and my experience of working with people is that what's interesting is often that that people are, what comes across when we first meet is they're almost resigned to what had happened. Yeah, the anger often comes out later. Yeah. Uh, but to start with, the, 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 it's been held in this box of resignation. And yeah. until they actually open the box and are prepared to do something, that's how they manage to live with it. Yeah. That, you know, well, it happened and it, you know, I, I was a victim to it. And I, you know, yeah. what could I do about it? And yes, you can't change the past, but you actually absolutely have the chance opportunity yeah. to make a difference to your present and your future if yeah. you choose and for me it's the actively choosing i don't want to to be stuck in this place where i live my life and i'm defined by the abuse that went on yes now interestingly that many people go on to have very successful professional lives often helping others and that side of their life is compartmentalized and they're successful and they like themselves in that context. Mm -hmm. It's when the work's not there. It's when those quiet moments, it's when the, it's the holidays, the weekends, it's when they retire. Mm -hmm. 
it's in those moments when they have no distraction that they are left simply with them that they are fighting these demons and for many of them what they do is they bury the demons deeply in a box and they are fearful of opening the box because if i open the box and i let the demon out i'll never get it back in and part of the work that we do is to identify what the demons are and to then make them um, manageable to acknowledge the hurt to acknowledge the anger the frustration the terror to acknowledge it but not to stay stuck in i think there's a great symbolism that if you if you watch any of the i mean thinking about that that priest story if you watch anything about uh, demonic possession yeah <laughs> and of course you're using it as a metaphor other people do believe in it it happens i mean you know, well let's just leave it at demons but in every in every religion where there is um, a need to unpossess somebody of yes. whatever, they ask for the demon's name. Yes. They they you have to um, identify the demon and you have to name it. But and then you use that name like, against it. But it's otherwise it's like fighting fog. Yes, isn't it? So you can't the acknowledgement is, is yeah. one of the key key moments of. Of the beginning of the release yes. is to name it. And I've, I've heard a couple of them, people who've suffered quite a lot of abuse sort of just from public, uh, you know, on the tube or whatever, and a couple of women have, have sort of written about it and said that the most powerful thing you can do in the moment is name it, mm-hmm. is speak aloud what is happening. Yes. Uh, and get over the embarrassment of that and the fear that people might think you're being ridiculous, but name it. So, you know, you're getting pressed into a by a man on the tube who's taking advantage of that. Name it. Yes. Speak aloud. Excuse me, why are you? Yeah? Yeah. And, and how in that moment of speaking and yes. naming what is happening, you remove it. And, and I push it entirely back onto the person who is doing it. And whilst the example you're giving is in the moment, yeah. it's just as important when you're talking about abuse, whether yes. that's uh, as it's happening, a year later, five years later, a decade. I mean, I've had um, worked with a number of people who have been in their 60s, who were abused as children, Mm. who have never, ever spoken of it. Mm. Because the baseline of this is that, you know, these women saying, what you should do is name it, and all of these other techniques, is that you have to find an incredible amount of strength within yourself to do that at even you know at the point when it's happening to name it at the point 30 years later to name it you have to find within yourself that strength but the interesting thing for me is if you have survived the abuse one of the one of the hard to talk about the positives that come out of such a negative experience but one of the positives that comes out of that is if you've survived then inherently you have the strength to do the next step, which is to um, acknowledge name and deal with it. Mm. might not feel like that. Mm. And that's why it's really important that you find somebody that you trust who can hold the space and help you sort that out. Mm. And we're coming to the end of this now, and I urge you that if you have suffered abuse, please come forward. If you'd like to work with me, email me through the website um, or private message me through Facebook and know that whatever we talk about will be confidential and I will be happy to 
um, to support and help you. You have the opportunity, if you have been abused, that you do not have to stay a victim to it, that you can deal with it and have a, a present and a future that is free of that heavy lead filled portmanteau um, and that you can actually the interesting thing about forgiveness is it actually is giving you the freedom, you the freedom to live your life wholly, fully, healthily. So it's a difficult subject and I recognise that for many people this is going to trigger stuff, all right? Please don't sit on it, reach out and let us help you. So thank you very much for joining us today and um, you know you can find lots of free resources on the genuinely you com website and um, you can find our books there rachel's uh, books um the point of being the truth of her you'll find all of my books including free copies of the latest bestseller driving not surviving the five secret pathways to happiness success and fulfillment thanks again for joining us but if you are the victim or have been the victim of sexual abuse please please take this opportunity to take some action and let us know if you need some help. So thanks again, and we'll see you next week. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.